Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here with us today. We are glad that you have chosen to worship with us. We are glad that you are here with us this morning. Keith has a couple of announcements um, that he is going to offer. Um, But my prayer this morning is that each of us would prepare our hearts um, as we prepare to worship our Lord. Thank you, Alan. I want to mention something, two things. This Wednesday night, there will be a historical photo picture swap in our fellowship hall at six o'clock. Many of you have some wonderful photos that would be great if you would be willing to share those with the church family. You can bring those photos. Someone will take a photograph of your photo or scan it and you can take your photo home. But uh, we are celebrating as a church family 170 years of Boiling Springs Baptist Church on September the uh, 10th for our Founders Day this year. And so we are doing some special things to try to prepare for that day and actually for that week. And so uh, if you wanted to come and share some pictures, a picture swap is what we're calling it uh, uh, this Wednesday night at six, please come to our fellowship hall and that will take the place of prayer meeting this week. And so I look forward to, to learning more about this community on Wednesday night as we look at those pictures.
My name is Clay Bryce, and I'll be reading the scripture for today. The first part comes from Isaiah 53, 5, which is on page 634 in the Pew Bible. And the second part is 1 Peter 3, 18, which is page 1060. But Isaiah 53, 5 reads, But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our inequities. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole, and with his stripes we are healed. In 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Our opening hymn this morning is number 385, In Christ There Is No East or West, 385. If you're able, please stand and join me in singing. roles a little this morning. John Cannon often calls me the back lady because I'm the lady who works the food closet. So think of me not as a bag lady because I hope I don't look as bad as one on the street, but that's whom I'm helping. Psalm 145, 15 and 16 says, give them food when they need it. How often have you heard words such I never thought I would be in this position this time of the month. My wife died several months ago. I can't make it to the end of the month. It's just hard to manage. I can't do it. You are God's blessing and answer to my prayer today. These are comments that we hear every Tuesday and Wednesday morning. Miss Zelma, Butch, Diane, John Cannon, the staff can tell you we often get more blessings than we give. We are not just giving out food. We are touching lives, lives that need a prayer, lives that need a blessing that no one can give. 
Sometimes they ask for other things. And as a food closet, we've branched out to try to meet those needs. Diapers, especially. When someone comes to me and says, my baby needs this, then I'm the first to go to the grocery store to provide that. More often than not, you look at the sheet they're filling out and we're not just feeding adults. We're feeding children. We're feeding families that need help. Some ask for prayer. Some don't say anything. They just know you're there. Oh, we have characters that come. Characters that come the same time every month. We have two ladies and a gentleman that call the same time every month and say, don't you close the doors, we'll be there at one. One o'clock, they drive up. They know that we are here to help them. They always call because they want to be sure because they know that there's sometimes we don't always have the bags ready for them. We are a blessed church. We are blessed people. Buying and supplying and helping the needs in our community comes easy. And for that, the people that come to the food closet say, thank you. They don't see your faces, but they know that what you've done for them today has been a blessing and an answer to prayer. Just the month of July, we touched 65 families, 100 adults, 75 children. It may not seem like a lot, but if you see them come through the door on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, it is a lot. So today I'm here just to say you are a blessing to them. You are a blessing to our church. Just the small amount that we do each week is an answer to some home's prayer. Psalm 91:11 says, "The Lord commands his angels to take care of you. Even though we can't see them, God's angels are around us every day. God tells them to take care of each other. God tells them to keep them safe. They are not angels in heaven. They are angels sitting in these pews. Thank you for being the angels." that disciple to the people who come through our door to the food closet. Thank you, Ellen. And I can give testimony of how often that food pantry is used. And sometimes other than, as we know as a staff, sometimes other than Tuesday and Wednesday. You may have noticed the roses this morning in our sanctuary. We're bringing back an older tradition that many of you may remember, but each time we have a birth, uh, related to our church, somebody affiliated, whether a member or closely affiliated with our church, uh, we will begin once again putting a rose in the sanctuary. We have two roses, as you see this morning. Uh, but congratulations to Jeffrey and Mary Hamrick on the birth of a son, Lucas Andrew Hamrick, on July the 25th. Grandparents are Willie and Terry Hamrick. Congratulations also to OJ and Lauren McFarlane on the birth of Emery Ray McFarlane on August the 2nd. The grandmother is Lisa McFarlane. We have several urgent prayer needs this morning. I invite you to continue to pray for Virginia Harris, who is in Carolina Medical Center in Charlotte. Uh, she is currently on a ventilator. Her kidney function is continuing to improve, and so that is a good thing. Uh, but we will uh, certainly need to be in continued prayer for Virginia Harris at this time in Charlotte. 
Klein and Catherine are at the Mayo Clinic, and they have asked that uh, we simply remember them this week. He is undergoing tests, and they do not know any details yet, but will let us know when they find those out this week. Continue to remember the Washburn family as they grieve the loss of Emily Washburn. Her funeral was this last Wednesday, her celebration of life service. And we have several others who are just struggling at home. And let's also remember this coming week, Lynn Surratt. He goes tomorrow uh, to Charlotte. He gave me the green light to mention this. He goes tomorrow to Charlotte to the heart doctors at the Singer Clinic. And um, they are going to do some further testing. And uh, there are some issues there that need to be looked at. So Lynn, we'll be in prayer for you as you go that direction tomorrow. There are others that you come into this place on your heart and on your mind today, and I just invite you to remember those concerns as we pray together. Will you join me now in prayer? God in heaven, we thank you for another opportunity to come together as your people and worship you. God, we're grateful for the friendships that we share with one another, not because we're so lovable and endearing or because we choose to be with people who are like ourselves, but because you want us as your children to reach out with the best for other people, whoever they are and whatever their characteristics. You want your friends to enjoy a rich and healthy diet of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. Thank you for making us your friends and friends to one another. By your Holy Spirit, Lord, we ask that you feed our faith on Jesus the Christ so that we grow stronger in our loving concern for other people. Strengthen our faith so that Christ may live in us, that we may live to please you rather than try to please the world, and so that our priorities are yours and not the greedy and selfish priorities of our society. Give your wisdom to those who govern us so that all people can live in peace and safety. Inspire the leaders in our community so that Jesus is honored among all sections of society. Bless, provide, and protect all the missionaries who seek to be Christ and advance your kingdom in the places you have called them. We marvel how your spirit takes Jesus to the outsiders, those who belong to small or rejected groups in our society. May we welcome them as one with us, lovingly wash all our Lovingly wash, lovingly wash all us all clean and sow the risen Christ like a new seed to sprout and grow in our lives. Today you remind us in Acts 10 that there are no favorites with you. You are a God that shows no partiality. We ask for a special blessing today on those who are often not accepted as equals in our society. As we come to your table and share in the Lord's Supper, we are reminded that we are all equal as we partake of the bread and the wine. We ask that through the body and the blood of Christ, given by the Spirit, in the form of a small piece of bread and a small cup of juice, that you would refresh those who are tired, that you would heal those who are sick. We ask for a special blessing on Virginia Harris, for Klein Hamrick, for Lynn Surratt, and others that we know in our church family that are struggling at this time. Lord, encourage those who are new and provide direction to those who are seeking it regarding decisions that need to be made this week. We thank you for hearing us. We thank you for Jesus Christ, who is the risen Lord. Amen. Our hymn is hymn number 25, There's a Wideness in God's Mercy, number 25. If you are able, please stand and join me in singing.
Join me in prayer, please. Good morning, Father. I thank you this morning humbly for all the many blessings that you bestow on us each day. The gift of life, the gift of family, friends, home, food, the list just goes on and on, Father. But most importantly, the gift that you sent in your Son to save us. And this morning, Father, please help us to embrace this wonderful opportunity that we have to give back to you in a small way. Help us to understand that this is a very, very important part of our worship each week. Thank you, and we love you. Amen. We pray for blessings, we pray for peace, comfort for family, protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. And all the while you hear each spoken need, yet love us way too much to give us lesser things. Cause what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? And what if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? We pray for wisdom, your voice to hear. We cry in anger when we do not feel you near. We doubt your goodness, we doubt your love. As if every promise in your word is not enough. And all the while you hear each desperate plea and long that we'd have faith to believe. Cause what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? And what if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? 
when friends betray us when darkness seems to win we know that pain reminds this heart that this is not this is not our home cause what if your blessings come through raindrops what if your healing comes through tears what if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near what if my greatest disappointments or the aching of this life is a revealing of a greater thirst this world can't satisfy and what if trials of this life the rain the storms the hardest nights are your mercies in disguise your mercies in disguise. Amen. What a beautiful song. Thank you, Vicki. If you have your Bibles this morning, we are going to have a brief sermon before we share together in the Lord's Supper. If you have your Bible or a pew Bible, I would encourage you to turn to Acts 10. We'll be reading, I'll be reading the first eight verses, but I'll be referencing the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say, in Acts chapter 10. And so uh, you may want to follow along or read for yourself some of the things that, that I'll be talking about this morning from the text. We have a bit of a turning point here in the Gospel of Acts. If you're familiar with it, you understand and know that everything has mostly been happening in Jerusalem. The Gospel has now started to spread out into Judea and Samaria, and soon Paul will be taking it to the uttermost parts of the earth. And with the exception of the Ethiopian eunuch in chapter 8, uh, the Gospel was still only speaking to Jews. And so when I say that this is a turning point in the book of Acts, I mean that uh, it is a serious and a major turning, points, turning point. If you will look with me at the first eight verses of Acts chapter 10. There was a man of Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some men to Joppa and send for a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with a tanner named Simon, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who was speaking to him had left, he summoned two of his servants and devout soldier of those who were his personal attendants. And after he had explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. I have a question for you this morning. How many of you remember this wonderful thing called the flannel graph? Raise your hand if you were taught Bible stories on the flannel graph. Yes, I see those hands. Choir, yes. Well, we're not gonna be 
using it specifically, but what I am going to do this morning is something a little bit different. I want you to pretend with me this morning as we walk through Acts 10 and what's happening with two visions. We've read of one here at the beginning, but I want you to picture that there's a flannel graph over here, and I want you to picture that there's a flannel graph over here. The flannel graph here will represent Caesarea. The flannel graph over there will represent what Peter and what's going on in the town of Joppa that was mentioned in the first eight verses. So we know, what, what do we know about Caesarea? We know that there's a man named Cornelius in a town called Caesarea. Caesarea is on the Mediterranean Sea. So if I put up the sea over here on the little flannel graph with these little fuzzy figures that you remember all too well. And uh, so there's a town of Caesarea and we know about a, a man named Cornelius. So I'm putting up Cornelius here. You can um, go with me and imagine the final board here in your mind. Cornelius is a Roman centurion. Uh, the scripture tells us that he was a devout man. He was a God-fearer. But a Roman centurion would be in charge of about 80 to 100 men. And these Roman centurions were the backbone of the Roman army. It was a uh, small part of a larger unit called the Italian Regiment. And the Italian Regiment would be made up of roughly about 6,000 men. And so these centurions were the backbone of the Roman army. These were devout men. These were good men. They were steady and they were loyal. Uh, again, the backbone of the Roman army. But uh, we also know that he was a Gentile. This centurion was not a, was not a Jew, uh, but he was a Gentile. And we, we know that he and his family were what they call God-fearers. These were men who were uh, sympathetic to Judaism. They were interested in Judaism. They had not gone the full right of being a convert or a proselyte to Judaism. They had not taken circumcision, but they feared God and trusted God and pursued the God of the Israelites. The scripture tells us that he was a devout man, that he feared God, that he gave alms. He was a generous man. The scriptures that we just read are very clear about that. They also says, says that he prayed to God continuously. So we could put maybe a man praying, a soldier praying up here as well on our little flannel board. But he prayed to God continuously. But there in Caesarea, in his home, he experiences a vision. And in this vision, the Lord tells him to send men to the town of Joppa for a man named Simon Peter, who is staying with a man named Simon the Tanner. And the Tanner, of course, is someone, again, who works with uh, raw or animal hide to make leather. And so this was a significant step of faith for Peter as well, for a Jew to be staying with such a man, Simon the Tanner. So let's go south to the city of Joppa. And if you read in Acts chapter 10, you can see the story here unfold and you can see these details that I'm uh, only summarizing. But so now these men, uh, the next day after this vision happens, the next day Cornelius sends two men, two servants most likely, and a soldier to the town of Joppa. And so they arrive. And as they are arriving, Peter is up on the rooftop about the sixth hour, which would be about noon. And he was hungry. The scriptures say that. Now, um, I've had visions when I've been hungry before, but nothing like what Peter has in Acts chapter 10, okay? He begins to see a vision of a sheet that's pulled tight on each of the four corners coming down to earth, and on that sheet are four-footed animals of all kinds, both clean and unclean as far as to the Jews. And so Peter's trying to process this and what all, what all this means. And in verse um, 14, I believe it is, um, he hears a voice saying, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And he says, Lord, this, these are unholy. These are things are unclean and I will not, I will not do it. But in verse 15, he hears the voice that says what God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. 
And at this time, the three men are now at the door of Peter's house in Joppa. This is also by the Mediterranean Sea. So we've got the sea and the town of Joppa, and we've got Peter and the house of Simon and Tanner. So all this is up on our final board over here, okay, this morning. So the three men arrive from Caesarea. Peter realizes now that something's going on. These men talk about a vision about a man named Cornelius who is desiring for Peter and his, some who are staying with Peter to come and to speak with Cornelius and his household. So he hears of this vision that Cornelius has. Peter realizes the vision that he just had and that now the gospel is going outside of the Jewish people. Peter begins to have this realization. He understands that something big is about to happen. And so uh, the next day, they stay with Simon the Tanner that night. That would be kind of like me coming to your house and people coming in for me. And, and then I say, yeah, come on in to Tommy's house and we'll, we, you can just stay here for the night. But that's kind of what's going on here. These men come, they, they have them stay the night. And so the next morning, they go back to Caesarea. And when they get into Caesarea, they see a house that is filled with Cornelius's relatives. We don't know if Cornelius, we don't believe that he was married. Typically a Roman officer would not be. Um, but uh, there was relatives in the house, there were friends in the house. And so we put up those on our flannel board here this morning. And uh, they are waiting to hear a word from Peter. And so in verse 34 and 35, Peter stands before the people and the first word out of Peter's mouth is this. Opening his mouth, in chapter 10, verse 34, opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. These are the first words out of Peter's mouth after both Cornelius' vision and his own vision. God is not one to show partiality. Your Bible may say he is not one to show favoritism. It may say um, he is not uh, a respecter of persons. In verse 35, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. Let me say that again. He's not one to show favoritism, verse 34 and then 35, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. So Peter, in the home of Cornelius and the relatives and the friends that are all gathered and all waiting for Peter to come, Peter has now arrived. He says these words and then he goes on to preach about Jesus of Nazareth. He talks about his healing. He talks about his death and his, his uh, trial and his arrest and, and the persecution and the suffering that Christ endured. He goes on to speak of his death. He goes on to speak of the resurrection. And then down in verse 40, 43, he says, of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin. We see the message of Jesus Christ coming into this home of Cornelius, the Gentile centurion Roman soldier, and we see it coming to all of his family and friends as well. We see the Holy Spirit coming upon them in verse 45. All the circumcised believers who came to Peter were amazed because of the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. And we begin to see them now uh, experiencing baptism and coming into fellowship with the people of God that we know to be the Israelites. In verse 38 through 40, again, as they're explaining Jesus and his death on the cross and the resurrection, and then verse 43 that I just read, of him all the prophets bear witness that, that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin. This is what we remember today as we come to the table for the Lord's Supper. 
that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin. We remember Christ. We remember his body and we remember his blood. I'm grateful for Clay and his reading of Isaiah 53.5. Allow me to read it once again. Isaiah wrote, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. These two visions, the vision of Cornelius in Caesarea and the vision of Peter in Joppa remind us that the gospel is for all people. It is universal in its application. It is um, uh, for all races, classes, and conditions of humanity. In a moment, we're going to stand and sing a hymn, Come and Feast for All Are Welcomed. If you need to prepare your heart both in the pew, you can do that as we sing. If you need to pray at the altar, the altar is, is, will be open. If you want to talk with me about church membership, the altar will be open. Allow the words of this hymn to speak to you in light of this story today. The gospel has now come for all people. And when we come to the table for the Lord's Supper, there is no high class, low class or no class. We're all in the same class when it comes to our walk and our relationship with Jesus. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. And I'm grateful that we serve a God that shows no partiality and no favoritism. Father, we are grateful for your word. We're grateful for scripture that, Lord, when we read it, it's not just words on a page, but, Lord, they have life. You tell us that your word is a living and active word. And so, Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit, as your word has been read and preached this morning, would speak to our hearts. If there are sin that needs to be confessed, Lord, help us to confess it. If there's direction that we need for Decisions that need to be made this week, Father, we pray that you would grant us that direction. Speak to our hearts about decisions that must be made. For those who are struggling with grief, for those who are struggling with new realities of health and, and of uh, just everyday life, we do pray, Lord, that your grace would be sufficient for them this morning, that you would be the good shepherd and walk with them through this difficult time that they're about to undergo. Father, we're grateful for your son, Jesus Christ, and we're grateful, Lord, that we serve a God who shows no partiality who shows no favoritism. And Lord, forgive us when we have done that. Lord, we commit this time to you now. Prepare our hearts to receive the Lord's Supper. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing together.
be seated. The Lord's Supper at Boiling Springs Baptist Church, then you may be seated. The Lord's Supper at Boiling Springs Baptist Church is open to all people, to all who believe. Also, we are reminded in scriptures that this ordinance is not to be entered into lightly. If confession or other silent prayers needed before we partake, we are encouraged to take this opportunity now as we prepare the elements. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
Christ broken for you. Christ said, each time we eat of the bread to remember him, to do this in remembrance of me. Scripture also tells us that in the same manner, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.
blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of sins do this in remembrance of me will you pray with me Father we've come to the table this morning as your guests resting only in the worthiness of your son as we look upon the emblems of our Savior's death may we remember why he died to cleanse and to heal to satisfy your righteousness and justice we remember his eternal love and his boundless grace. May we receive the assurance of forgiveness, eternal life, and the hope of glory. As the bread and the cup nourish our body, so may your indwelling Holy Spirit strengthen our soul until the day of Christ appearing, when we will hunger and thirst no more and sit with him at his heavenly table. Amen. Let us sing together.